Well, good morning, church. Welcome to Riverside and Merry Christmas. Really glad uh, that you're here today, and I'm so glad we get to be together today to worship during this time of year. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. Uh, It's a great time of year as we celebrate Jesus, as we turn, uh, really our whole world, it seems like, turns their attention to Jesus just for a moment. And so in this place, we get to do the same thing, and it's, it's, it's just such a joy. I know we have a lot of people traveling as the Christmas holiday has begun, and people are out of school and off work. At the same time, we have a lot of you who are here maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, and we're glad to have uh, you here. Welcome. Uh, it's so, such, a, such a, a, good, a, a good thing for us to be together in this room. Uh, this whole month, we've been talking about this idea of the best Christmas ever. Now, I, I hope you've had a chance to be with us and track with us. Uh, last Sunday night, we had our annual Christmas candlelight worship, and, and if you were here for that, uh, I, I hope you were, because it was a fantastic night. In fact, it was just amazing. Every part of it was amazing. If you weren't, I, I'm really sorry you missed it. I hope you'll, you'll come next year, because it really was a fantastic night. But I, I feel like I need to begin with a bit of an apology, because I, I, I may have gone too far in my remarks and criticisms of the beloved Christmas movie genre known as Hallmark Christmas movies. Uh, This week, my wife has um, blessed me with the opportunity to watch an inordinate amount of Hallmark Christmas movies. We've played Hallmark Christmas bingo at our house, and I've yet to win, but that day I feel like it's coming soon. And then on Tuesday, I received a gift uh, from uh, one of our members and, uh, and I, if it's okay, I, I thought I would just wear it today. Um, I'm really glad that I now have this. This is my Hallmark Christmas movie watching shirt. And I, I won't tell you who gave this to me because I would never want to embarrass one of our members, but her name starts with a C and ends in Errol Polly. I'll let you figure it out. I don't know if they're here this morning. If not, just take a picture and somebody text this to her. Uh, I never responded to receiving this. I thought this would be the best way to show my gratitude and appreciation uh, for this wonderful shirt that I now get to sit on my couch and with my box of Kleenex and watch Hallmark Christmas movie as snow falls on green grass and a couple has their first kiss and, you know, all the wonderful things that happen in every single Hallmark Christmas movie. I'll stop there before I get more presents. (laughs) Uh, This month, we've been asking the question every time we've gathered, what would make this Christmas the best Christmas ever for you? And I I know even the series title, Best Christmas Ever, it sounds like a Hallmark Christmas movie, but it's not. It really is a sincere question. What would make this Christmas the best Christmas ever for you? What needs to change if something could be different for you? If there was something in your life that you could tweak or just adjust and, and make it fall more in line and, and in your spiritual life, if there was something that could, could, could just be different this year, what, what would it be? If something could change to make this Christmas the best Christmas ever, what would that be for you? Today, I want us to dive back into the Christmas story and, and maybe look for another truth that I think would, would, would maybe offer some insight there. But before we do, I want to ask this question. What's the greatest gift you've ever received. Think about that. What's the greatest gift you've ever received? You may not know this, or you you might, but they say the most popular, the most requested, the number one gift every year for Christmas are gift cards. How many of you have already bought gift cards for someone for Christmas this year? Yeah? 
Yeah? How, how many of you have gift cards from last Christmas you haven't used yet? Yeah? <laughs> Still have some of those. Yeah, exactly. The National Retail Federation says that every year gift cards are the number one gift asked for and given. They say that every year over $100 billion are spent on gift cards. And here's what I think is truly amazing. This is what makes you know, my mind blow up. They say that every year annually $1 billion Billion with a B, one billion dollars in gift cards goes unused. One billion dollars. Think about that. What could you do with a billion dollars? <laughs> you know, one billion dollars. It is brilliant if you're a business, right? You take this little plastic card that costs you what a penny to make, and you sell it for twenty-five, fifty, you know, seventy-five, a hundred dollars. And then it may or may not get used, or maybe a small portion of it gets used, or maybe it gets lost, or it gets put on a shelf, or you, you lose it in your car somewhere, and it never gets spent, but yet they get all that money. It's brilliant if you're a business, but it's a real tragedy, isn't it? That all this money every single year, a billion dollars, gets wasted. But I don't think that's the real tragedy of the Christmas season. I think there's really, and I think you would probably agree because you're here this morning, that there's even a greater tragedy that happens every single year at this time. Because like we've said, every year during, during this time of year, people around the world, people in this country, people in the great state of Texas, people in Dallas, people right here in Capella, people in our community, turn their attention to Jesus. Even people right here in our church turn their attention to Jesus but they never really open the gift. It's almost like these gift cards that get bought and given, but they never get used. It's kind of like, like this gift. And unlike the last gift I brought on stage, I did wrap this one, so you can criticize it. it you know, if you see this gift under your tree, you know, some of you, I know, I know what kind of person you are. You're going to go up when no one else is looking. You're going to pick up this gift, especially if it has your name on it, right? And you're going to shake it. You're going to see how heavy it is. If you're weird, you might smell it, you know. Um, you're going you're to see if it makes any noise. You're going to try to guess and see if you can figure out what the present is because you just can't wait till Christmas. And this is what a lot of us do with Jesus, with the greatest gift ever given. Every year this time of year, we get together and we read the Christmas story again and we look at the gift. We study the gift in fact, some of us have spent all of our lives studying the greatest gift ever given. And if you asked us, we could answer all of your questions. Because the truth is, we know, or at least we think we know, all there is to know about the gift. And some of us, if we're being honest, we get upset when people think differently about the gift than we do. Some of us feel like we're protectors of the gift or defenders of the gift. And some of us will let you know if, if we don't agree with what you think about the gift. And we've, we've gotten to know all the details and the mechanics and, and all there is to know about the gift. We've studied it all of our lives. But the tragedy is that even though this time of year people will sing songs like Hark the Herald Angel Sings and Away in a Manger, even though people will drive around town and they'll see nativities put up in front yards, even though we'll go to Christmas programs and we'll see children reenact the greatest story ever told, that we'll come and we'll study it again We'll look at it again, and then we'll sit it on the side, and we'll forget all about it. Kind of like those gift cards that get put on a shelf or lost in the glove box. 
it largely goes unused. It goes completely unopened. We know all there is to know about it, but we never unwrapped it. We never opened it. We, in a sense, we received it, but because we never allowed it to, to come out of the box, it never had the opportunity to have the full impact on our life it was intended to have. And I don't know about you, but for me, I think that's the greatest tragedy of this time every year. People look at the greatest gift ever given. They turn their attention to Jesus, and then New Year's rolls around, and they turn it to something else. That would have been the greatest tragedy the world had ever known, except for the fact that Jesus went to extraordinary lengths to make sure that people knew that that night in Bethlehem, something did, in fact, happen. God went to extraordinary lengths to make sure that that night, when Jesus moved from heaven to earth, that people were there to see. If you have your Bibles or if you have the Bible app, you can follow along there as well. I want you to open up to Luke chapter 2. And I want us to look again at, at the story, the way Luke tells the story of this moment when Jesus came from heaven to earth. And I want you to see some of the first people who received this incredible news. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1, Luke tells the story this way. He says, At the time, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was all the known world at that moment in time. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And if you're anything like me, at this point in the story, you're thinking, okay, I got questions, right? Like, I, I want to I know more about this. Did, did, did Joseph really have to travel all the way to Bethlehem? And if he did, did he have to, did he have to even take Mary with him? Was that a requirement? Where, where is that written in the rule book? And, how did, and if Mary went with him, how did she get there? How did she make the 90-plus mile trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Because I'm pretty sure there was no Uber back then. There wasn't a dart. There wasn't a bus. I mean, how did she get there? Was there a donkey? There's no donkey in the story. Wait a minute. There's no donkey in the story. I thought there was a donkey. There's always a donkey, but there's no donkey. And all of a sudden, we get caught up in our questions, and we want to have all the answers. And if you're anything like me, what can happen if you're not careful is we get left with our questions, and we miss the point. You know what's really interesting about this is if you wanted to, Luke could have answered all your questions. Luke, more than likely, got his story straight from Mary. She was his number one source. So Luke could have very easily written as much as he wanted to answer all of your questions, to answer all of my questions, but he didn't. Why? I think he wanted to point us to something, or maybe better said, someone more important. So verse 6, while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And again, you're thinking, oh, this is a beautiful moment. 
We've done, we've done such a good job, haven't we, of romanticizing this moment, this sweet nativity story, and you can almost see it in your mind's eye, Mary and Joseph and the baby wrapped up in swaddling clothes. You know, that's the story. And that's beautiful, and the moment was beautiful. Don't, don't misunderstand me, but you realize there's another raw reality here. This is a story of two poor people who at this moment in time are literally homeless, looking for a place somewhere in the busy city, bustling city of Bethlehem because everybody has come to town for the census, and they literally can, have no, they can find no place to have their child. So these two poor, homeless outcasts are looking for somewhere, anywhere to have their children, and all they can find is this place. We know there's a manger, so it's more than likely a stable, but it's not a stable like this. This is beautiful. The manger is beautiful, but more than likely, we're talking about a cave on the side of a Judean hill in Bethlehem, and the manger was, was cut out of the side of the rock inside the cave, and that's, that was a feeding trough for animals, and we say swaddling clothes, but that word can actually be translated rags, so this baby is taken, wrapped in rags, and placed in a feeding trough for animals because there's just no other way, no other place. There's a raw reality to the story here. And this is really actually really important for Luke. We're going to come back to it in a moment. But don't miss this. That when Jesus comes to earth, he's wrapped in strips of cloth. He's laid in a manger because there was no room for him anywhere else. Verse 8. That night, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Some of you know that Alicia and I just went to Israel back in October, and so we were, we were here, we were there, we were in Bethlehem, and we were overlooking these shepherds' fields, and it may or may not have been the place where this exactly happened, but it was close or it was similar. And so Bethlehem sits up on a hill, and then right below it in the valley are, are the shepherds' fields, and it was in this place where in verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And guess what? They were terrified. Here it is again. Fear is present for every single person present in the Christmas story. They see the angel and they're terrified. And so the angel says what every angel says in this situation. The angel reassured them, don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. I bring you good news. Literally, I bring you the gospel that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. And this was good news. And this was good news, as the angel said, for all people. For anyone who receives this gift, for anyone who opens this gift, this is good news. This is the gospel, that the Savior has been born, that the the Messiah has come. And I don't think it was a mistake. I don't think that it wasn't on purpose that when God sent the angel to announce this good news, who did he send the angel to? Shepherds. Is it any surprise that the one who would be known as, as the good shepherd... Is it any surprise that the one who would be known as the Lamb of God, that when this news comes from heaven to earth, it comes first to these poor shepherds out in a field? This message is for all people. It didn't come to the world leaders. 
It didn't come first to the kings and queens. It didn't come first to the religious leaders. The message of the good news of Jesus Christ, the the Savior, the Messiah who was born, came that night to a group of lowly shepherds. Because I think God wanted to put an exclamation on this point. This good news is for all people. And you will recognize him, the angel says, by this sign. Here's your sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. You may read that and think, what's the sign? The sign isn't a star. That comes later. What's what's the sign? How how are we going to know when we found the Savior? How will we know when we found the Messiah? How will we know who it is? How do we know which baby in Bethlehem we're talking about? And the angel says, this is the sign. You're going to find a baby. It's going to be wrapped in rags and laying in a manger. So when you go looking for a baby in Bethlehem, you're not going to find... This is the only baby in Bethlehem that fits this description this night. When you go looking for the Savior of the world, you're probably not thinking to go look in some stable for a baby wrapped in rags. But if you find that baby wrapped in rags, laying in a manger, then guess what? You found him. You have found the Messiah. Suddenly the angel was joined. By a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds, what do they do? They said to each other this, Hey, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. We got to go see. It's not enough just to receive this good news. It's not enough just to know about it. we, we got to go see for ourselves. Let's go. Let's see. Come on. I don't think there was any hesitation. There wasn't any delay. Forget about the sheep. Let's go see the, the Savior, the Messiah, who has been born. Let's go see what this angel's talking about. So they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. And get this, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all of these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen, for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel told them. After coming and seeing, after the experience of what they heard, they just couldn't keep it to themselves. They had to go and they had to tell everyone what they had just experienced. They had to share what had just happened in their lives. I don't know about you guys, but it's, it's killing me a little bit. Somebody want to open this, this gift? Anybody? Any volunteers? How did I know Malachi would be the one? <laughs> Come on, Malachi. Have you gotten any Christmas presents yet? You got one, I know. Yeah, you want to tell them what you got? Um, yeah, I got a puppy recently. He got a puppy. That sounds like a Hallmark Christmas movie right there. <laughs> Was there snow falling in the background? And, I wish. Yeah. Hey, Merry Christmas. I want you to open this. Actually, what if I told you you can have this, but you could never, ever open it? I'd be either jealous. There'd be a lot of suspense. Would that be like the worst thing ever to do to somebody? Yeah, here's a present. Don't ever open it. Hey, you can open this. Go ahead. Open that. And I wrapped it myself, so it should be pretty easy to get into. Um, Just take your time. we got all day. Nobody's really wanting to go to lunch yet, so. 
It's all good. Here we go. Can you help you there? Just pop that open. Yep, there you go. And then what do we have here? Oh, there is something inside of it. That, it oh, oh, there it is. Show them what you got. Hey, he got a gift card for Christmas. Okay, put it together for Malachi. Hey, hold that up and show that. I'll tell you what, let's do Malachi. We need to take a picture. We need to tell everybody what you just got here. Here we go. You want me to get a little selfie here? Here we go. Let's get with everybody in the background. They can wait. They're going to see you about later. Here we go. Say cheese. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I'm going to post this and we're going to tell everybody what you got for Christmas. Okay. Merry Christmas. I hope you like it. Yeah, you good? Yeah. I'm All right, good. Hey, go tell your friends. See, this is what we do. We clean you up. Look, this is good parenting people right here. Fantastic. Good job, Malachi. There you go. No, it's yours. That would be terrible. Give you a gift and take it back? No, go buy a Bible with that. Um, <laughs> what else would you buy? This is what we do when we get a gift, right? We got to take it. We got to show everybody. We got to tell everybody what we got. And this is what the shepherds did when they found out this good news. They went to see. They came and see. They, they came to, to Bethlehem and they saw this, this child that had been born. And then they went out and they told everyone what they had seen and heard. And I think that this is what God wants for us too. I think this is what God wants for you. He wants you to come and see. To, to come and see for yourself this Jesus we keep talking about. To come and to see for yourself that the story is true. To come and see for yourself that something happened 2,000 years ago that literally changed the trajectory of human history. That something happened, that something changed, and since the day the Messiah was born in Bethlehem, the world has never been the same since. Something happened. There's no denying it. To come and see for yourself that that is true. To come and see for yourself the goodness of Jesus. To come and see for yourself the kindness of Jesus. To come and see for yourself the love of Jesus. To come into his presence and discover for yourself that there truly is nothing you could ever do to make him love you less. Come and see. Come and investigate the story. Come with your questions. And what you'll see is that everything that is said is true. It all happened. Come and see. That's the invitation for you. To ask. And see that every time you ask, it will be answered. To come and seek. And to know that every time you seek, you will find. To come and knock, as Jesus once said. And know that every time you knock, the door will be opened. To come searching and to know the promise is true that you, when you search, you will find. And then when you come and see, then go and tell. That when you come and see, then you can go and tell. Go and tell others what you have seen and heard. Like the shepherds who couldn't keep it to themselves. Like the shepherds who went and told everyone what they had seen and heard. Like like the shepherds who, that moment, that truth, that reality, that night, it changed their lives forever. In the same way, when you come and see that this is true, when you come and see what God has done in Jesus, when you come and see that all of it happened, when you come and see that his goodness and his love and his mercy and his grace changes everything and it changes you, when you come and see that that is true, then go and tell. Maybe the greatest gift you could give someone this Christmas is just to sit down with them and tell them a personal story of what you have seen and heard God do in your own life. To come and see. And then to go and tell. To share the news. To share the story. 
to share the work of God in your own heart and in your own life, to share the truth, to share the reality that all of it's real, that all of it happened, that all of it is there. Like the shepherds, I think this is what God wants for us, to come and see, come and see, and then go and tell. Luke began his story with telling the shepherds, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth, placed more than likely in a cave in a manger. And before we close this morning, I just want to fast forward to the end of Luke's story. Because the good news isn't just that Jesus was born. There's more good news at the end of the story. Luke not only tells us about the birth of Jesus, but he also tells us about the death of Jesus. And at the end of Luke's story, Luke ends his story by telling us these words in Luke 23, 53. Luke says they took the body down from the cross, the body of Jesus. And listen to this. They wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth, and they laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of a rock. According to Luke, the end of the story of Jesus is much like the beginning of the story of Jesus. When he's born, he's wrapped in strips of cloth, and when he's died, he's wrapped in cloth. When he's born, he's placed in a manger, more than likely in a cave, and when he dies, he's placed in a cave. When he's, when he's born, there, there's no room for him in the inn, and when he dies, there's... There's no place either, and so they place him in a borrowed tomb. And I think it leaves us with the question, will there be any room? Will there be any room in our hearts for this gift? Will there be any room in our hearts for this gift this Christmas? Church, if you would, let's, let's stand together. Will there be any room in your heart for Jesus this Christmas? The story ends the same way it begins. When the shepherds came looking for Jesus, they found him. Then Jesus died on Friday. He was wrapped in that linen cloth. He was placed in that cave, in that borrowed tomb, that Friday. Sunday morning came around, the stone was rolled away, and his disciples came to the tomb to find him then as well. And that morning, it was, it was some of the women who were following him. They came to look for Jesus, except this time, they didn't find him. They didn't find him. The shepherds found him at the beginning, but now at the end of the story, he's nowhere to be found. Except they do find him. Or actually, he finds them. And you know what's amazing about the story? is that over the next 40 days, Jesus is seen by over 500 people. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the resurrected Messiah, the one who conquered death, is seen by more than 500 people over the next 40 days. And everyone who comes and sees then goes and tells what they've seen and heard. We've seen Jesus. We saw him die on Friday, like not just die. He was dead, dead, buried in the grave, three days dead. And now we've seen him. He's alive. 
And they went literally around the world telling the story of what they had seen and heard. And you and I are here today because they literally could not keep quiet about what they had seen and heard. You and I are here today because they could not keep quiet about what they had seen and heard. They had seen the resurrected Jesus. And they went to tell the whole world that it was true. Maybe today, what would make this Christmas the best Christmas ever for you would be to step into that story, would be to come and see for yourself. We celebrated this last week, but this year we've had 17 baptisms here at Riverside. 17 people say, I want to step into the story. I want to come and see for myself. I want to walk into the waters of baptism. And maybe somebody in the room, I don't know if this is true, maybe you've been on the edge for a long time and you've never taken that step. Man, wouldn't it be cool to not let this year end? without making that change. Maybe the thing that would make this Christmas the best Christmas ever for you would be to step into the story, to come and see for yourself. And then I believe what would happen is you would go and tell everybody the story is true. But for the rest of us, for the rest of us, maybe it's time to take seriously that question. What is the greatest gift you've ever received? And if the answer to that question isn't Jesus, then maybe it's time to open that package. Maybe it's time to step into that experience of knowing him. Not just knowing about him, but knowing him. Knowing Jesus.